Welcome to episode 108 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church for Christ Church and all those who would be happy to listen in. Uh, we're glad you're with us today, and I'm uh, here with my two co-hosts, uh, Reverend Michael Bauer, who is the assistant pastor of Christ Church Presbyterian. Good to see you, Michael. Good to see you. Also here with Dr. Gabriel Williams, uh, who is uh, in the midst of uh, grading exams at the College of Charleston, <laughs> so he's not in a very good mood today, but, uh, <laughs> but we're glad to have you here also, Gabe. It's good being here. We are here today to talk about something that I don't know that we've ever uh, uh, had a podcast on before, and that is uh, the topic of prayer books. Um, is it okay to use prayer books? Uh, we've had uh, prayer books, of course, in um, the Christian church for 2,000 years, yeah. um, and we, of course, have the very familiar Book of Common Prayer, which is a, a kind of uh, liturgy for uh, the Anglican Church, and many people are familiar with some of the language in that and many of the prayers, which are, are beautiful and scriptural. Um, but, but often people are uncomfortable with uh, read prayers, and there's a reason for that. I actually remember being at Evensong uh, at Christ Church in Oxford, England, with my family, and we were there, and, and the entire service was read. There was nothing spontaneous uh, in the entire service. Uh, in fact, it wasn't even a sermon for that particular service. And so it was just interesting that the entire service was read out of a book. And one thing I went away with was, well, it was a, it was a beautiful service, and so much of it was, was very biblical. But uh, anybody could have led that, uh, yeah. as long as you had a nice reading voice and uh, you know could you know were literate, uh, you could lead that service. Uh, that's not necessarily the case for someone who would uh, lead with more spontaneity within the service in prayer and mm -hmm. and so forth in preaching. And so we come to this topic, and it's interesting as we look at uh, church history and our own reform tradition uh, that a very sort of famous work that was written uh, and published in 1662 uh, by John Owen, the, the Puritan John Owen, and it was called A Discourse Concerning Liturgies and Their Imposition. <laughs> and you can tell it's a very negative approach to, to liturgies. In fact, uh, the word liturgy itself has typically been associated with the Roman Catholic Church and with the Anglican Church, uh, not with uh, Presbyterianism and uh, and the Baptist Church and Congregational churches, uh, particularly because it just sort of uh, smells and smacks of Roman Catholicism. Now we've, in many ways, in the last 20, 30 years, have recovered that word. It's not a terrible word. It just means order of worship and and uh, and service. Uh, and so we come to this, we say, well, why was John Owen uh, concerned about this? Why did he write this discourse? Uh, well, his concern was that the Spirit of God was given to the church to work in the lives of God's people, that they would pray, that they'd be a praying people. Mm -hmm. And if you simply put a book in front of people to read, uh, it sort of undercuts that whole emphasis that God gave His Spirit to his people to make them alive in Christ that they would call upon the name of the Lord in authenticity and, sincere, and sincerely and it not simply be that uh, which comes from a book. So what are we to make of this, guys? And uh, what, what resources do we have in the church today that could, that could help us? Why could this possibly be helpful? Well, I'll first start with a couple of resources. And so there, there are some that have been uh, very important for my own prayer life and development. And so there's one, the first book I think of is 
the Puritan Thomas Watson has a book on the Lord's Prayer. It's an exposition of the Lord's Prayer. Mm -hmm. And what it's meant to do is to essentially break down each petition, showing you what it means in full, in a sense, and in a sense, give you language to pray that without it just being a rote memorization. There's another book that I think is uh, really important, and many of you have heard of the uh, pastor Matthew Henry based upon his commentaries, mm. but Matthew Henry also has a book that is a, is a prayer book that is called A Way to Pray, and this is published by the Banner of Truth, so you can purchase this if you like, but it was published in 1710, and if you go through this book, what you will see is that there are a number of sections based upon topics that a person would pray. So some topics would be, for example, praise, confession, petition, thanksgiving, intercession, prayers for particular occasions, how to conclude your prayer, and then of like most books of these this era, there's an exposition of the Lord's Prayer in here. And so when it comes to the use of prayer books, uh, yeah, there's in one sense a negative because you don't want to be in the situation where you're simply reading something without thinking or reflecting. And that is usually most of the critique that when you read something, you tend to kind of block out, uh, blank out a little bit and just read something. <laughs> but the idea is that if you are the sort of person who sometimes struggle to have words to say at times, then a prayer book is useful for giving you good vocabulary because most good prayer books are essentially just paraphrases of scripture over and over again. So for example, uh, this is coming from the, A Way to Pray, and this is a, uh, a written prayer that is giving thanksgiving to God for the goodness inherent in this nature. And as I read this, what you'll probably hear is numerous psalms being quoted throughout. So here's uh, an example. We give thanks to you, the God of gods, the Lord of lords, for your steadfast love endures forever. Your goodness is your glory and your glory is your goodness. In your kindness, you are gracious to undeserving sinners according to the abundance of your grace. You manifest your mercy to rebellious sinners who have lived in debauchery. You show your mercy to whom you choose to show mercy, even to degenerate idol worshipers like ourselves. All your works praise you and your saints bless your holy name. That's a direct reference from Psalm 136. You are gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and abundant and steadfast and covenant love. You have told us that you do not delight in afflicting the children of men. Though you cause them grief, you have compassion according to the greatness of your unfailing love. You take great pleasure in those that fear you, the ones who hope in the love you manifest through your covenant. That's Psalm 145, Psalm 147. And for those of you who probably read through Lamentations recently, and that's Lamentations 3, about not delighting in the afflictions of the children of men. So what a good prayer book does is simply paraphrases many passages in the scriptures in a concise sort of form. So the idea is not merely just to mimic it, but it gives you a sense to how to phrase yourself well. And the idea is that you use it not as a crutch, 
when you have nothing else to do. You use it as a stepping stone, uh, kind of a stepping stone to lift your heart and affections towards God. And it gives you words to express things that you feel and that you want to say, but you may not have the vocabulary at the moment to express it. And, and let's all be honest, we don't always feel like praying. Hmm. Yes. Uh, we know when we uh, wake up in the morning uh, that we ought to call upon the name of the Lord every day for grace and strength. Um, and, and we often don't feel like doing that. Our mm-hmm. hearts grow cold, uh, the distractions of the world are upon us, the burdens. Mm-hmm. And rather than taking them to the Lord, we often uh, hold them in and we become anxious and worried. And we don't pray. Uh, we know the God of the universe and yet we fail to pray. That's, mm-hmm. that's how we often are. A prayer book can help us to get going in our praying. Um, right. it's, it's, it's like we, we can pray these beautiful scriptural prayers. Uh, and then what I often do uh, is I will pray one of those prayers and then it'll, it'll get me going praying mm-hmm. my, in my own words mm-hmm. and, and with my own uh, supposition or um, supplications. Mm-hmm. Um, the pr- then prayer is a means of grace. And it's a means of grace because when we echo back to God His own precious word, it actually ministers to our own souls. And if we're praying with others, it ministers to their souls right. as well. Right. Well, that's the wonderful thing about this Matthew Henry book is that, as Gabe said, these are all mostly just quotes directly from Scripture. Mm-hmm. And he's tying together different Scripture passages that maybe you or I wouldn't put together um, and and is making these beautiful prayers. I mean, I'll, I'll just read just one short paragraph because it's it's uh, incredible. Give the, the title here is, Give Thanks for the Manifestation of God's Grace Under the Old Covenant. And he is uh, thanking God particularly for Jesus Christ. He says, Uh, We stand in thankful amazement when we hear that as soon as man had sinned, you, our God, graciously promised that the seed born of the woman would crush the serpent's head. Mm -hmm. We marvel that Jesus Christ was portrayed as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world by all the sacrifices offered according to the law of Moses. We wonder that in your eternal purpose, he was slain before the foundation of the world. Uh, and there he's tying together uh, Genesis 3.15, John 1.29, and Revelation 13.8. Uh, three passages that we might not put together, uh, but he's taking these beautiful truths of Scripture and tying them together in such amazing ways that you're right, John. Uh, they help jumpstart your prayers um, and are just a wonderful, uh, this book particularly is a wonderful resource. Um, you know, I'm thinking especially for uh, fathers and for others who are leading in family worship, um, These this prayer book will be a wonderful guide to helping you um, uh, enrich the prayer lives of you and, and your children and your, your spouse. And it's, it's a wonderful um guide to help in those sorts of very practical ways. So often we we hear prayers like, uh, Lord, bless this person, bless that person, um, uh, help me, and, 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 you know, all these things are... are, Heal my grandma's foot. uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, the the prayer meeting becomes an organ recital, right? Uh, You pray for people's hearts and their bunions and their livers and everything else, the organs. when we pray the promises of God, mm. uh, our own hearts are so comforted and encouraged. Yeah. That's why it's a means of grace. Yeah. It's not a means of grace because we, we are so articulate in the way that we pray. Yeah. It's that when we utilize 
the words of Scripture and the promises of God that our again our hearts are encouraged if we are praying by ourselves or with our or others are encouraged when we're praying with our family or praying in the prayer meeting. We have a a prayer meeting at uh, at eight fifty on Sunday mornings, and uh, to be honest, it's not very well attended. <laughs> it's uh, we we yeah. fit the stereotype yeah. of of. Uh, uh, having a prayer meeting, which we would all know is very, very important for the church, and yet very few people come. Now, right. I know that some people have real, you know, legitimate reasons for that, and yeah. and that's okay. But some don't. Some simply are going to mosey into the church at at ten twenty five before the morning service, and they're going to skip Sunday school and they're going to skip the prayer meeting. Mm-hmm. My question to them would be, why would you do that? Mm-hmm. This is the Lord's day. Right. It's not the Lord's hour. Uh, it's not the, the you know it's not the Lord's morning. It's the Lord's day, and so Christ Church uh, believes, along with Scripture, that this is the high and holy day of the Christian's week, and so we ought to set it apart for these religious exercises, for the glory of God, and for the, st- the encouragement of our own souls. And and so the prayer meeting is is such an, an encouragement to me uh, every week as uh, we get ready to have a full day of ministry. Mm-hmm. My heart is always buoyed up by the prayers, uh, prayers by Gabe, uh, prayers by uh, his wife Alicia, by some of the Hester kids and mm-hmm. uh, and several others that come. But wouldn't it be great to have fifty people at the oh, prayer meeting absolutely. and uh, crying out to the Lord? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to close this time with uh, a prayer from a resource uh, also published by the Banner of Truth called The Valley of Vision. Uh, the Valley of Vision has been uh, the top-selling book of the Banner for you know the last decade. Uh, and the reason is, is because it's a beautiful devotional resource. And it's a collection of Puritan prayers. And uh, one of my favorites, uh, which I want to end with, is called Love Lusters at Calvary. And it's a beautiful prayer that exalts in the unsearchable riches of our crucified and risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who who became a substitute for us. And that theology of the atonement and the substitution uh, of Christ comes to the forefront in this prayer. My Father, enlarge my heart, warm my affections, open my lips, supply words that proclaim Love lusters at Calvary. There, grace removes my burdens and heaps them on thy Son, made a transgressor, a curse and sin for me. There, the sword of thy justice smote the man, thy fellow. There, thy infinite attributes were magnified and infinite atonement was made. There, infinite punishment was due and infinite punishment was endured. Christ was all anguish, that I might be all joy. Cast off, that I might be brought in. Trodden down as an enemy, that I might be welcomed as a friend. Surrendered to hell's worst, that I might attain heaven's best. Stripped, that I might be clothed. Wounded, that I might be healed. Athirst, that I might drink. Tormented, that I might be comforted made ashamed that I might inherit glory, entered darkness that I might have eternal light. My Savior wept that all tears might be wiped from my eyes, groaned that I might have endless song, endured all pain that I might have unfading health, bore a thorny crown that I might have a glory diadem. 
bowed his head that I might uplift mine, experienced reproach that I might receive welcome, closed his eyes in death that I might gaze on unclouded brightness, expired that I might forever live. O Father, who spared not thine only Son, that thou mightest spare me, all this transfer thy love designed and accomplished. Help me to adore thee by lips and by life. Oh, that my every breath might be ecstatic praise, my every step buoyant with delight, as I see my enemies crushed, Satan baffled, defeated, destroyed, sin buried in the ocean of reconciling blood, hell's gates closed, heaven's portal open. Go forth, O conquering God, and show me the cross, mighty to subdue, comfort, and save. Mm. Amen. 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 This is why we believe that prayer books are a good thing, and they can encourage our souls and lead us to pray with great fervency and earnestness, informed by Scripture, filled with the Spirit, and giving glory to our crucified and resurrected Savior. Thank you for joining us on Between the Times. Okay.